Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, from across the pond, the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, my friend. Still slightly under the weather, as I was last week, um, but getting there. A warm cup of tea always helps on a very wet British day. It's typical Britain over here. We're on, um, we're in lockdown part three, the return of Boris. So um, it's, this, is, this is how it's going to be from now on, but it's all for the greater good. Um, how are you, though, my friend? How's things stateside? Well, in Florida, uh, you know, things are, are not happening, apparently. So we just live in, in, de- in denial, and that's always fun. Um, and uh, But, you know, it's, it's, it was cold this morning. It's, it's warmish now. It's like in the 70s, so it's, it's nice, I guess you could say. Um, I do have a nice, tall, fresh cup of coffee. Um, and uh, I'm enjoying that. Um, although I went to my local gas station because they, I thought they were doing free coffee for their rewards members. Apparently mm-hmm. that ended, which is okay because I would have paid for it anyways. But um, they they also apparently had been hit up pretty hard for coffee because there were like none of the little like cardboard cup holder things, you know, like to so you don't burn your hand on the cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I had to like double cup my cup. Uh, so it's a little it feels like it's ready to tip over. So I'm like watching it with a, a, a watchful eye. I don't want my coffee to spill, but um, I, I want to say uh, you and I uh, and listeners know this. We, we like to go to the movies and because of the pandemic that has been taken away from us, uh, understandably for the most part, you did get to, you ventured out for wonder woman, um, which I, I feel, I of, know. yeah, I, I feel bad about because <laughs> I didn't realize you didn't have HBO max when we, planned on doing wonder woman so i, I kind of made you go to the movie no, no, right? it's my choice my friend right but again i i didn't realize that i was putting you in a situation where you had to make that choice it was either don't watch it or go to the theater but nonetheless i sat for a few minutes yesterday on my phone opening up the ticket apps and just kind of longing to order a ticket to a theater i want to go so bad um and there are there is a few theaters uh within like a 30 minute drive that are still open. I'm still not comfortable. Our, our transmission rate in our area is very high right now. Um, and they did find a, a case in Florida um, from the European strain that you guys are, you know, afraid of uh, it's, they're popping up all over the state. So it's, it's clearly not more likely it's mutating and not just, you know, tied to that one instance. Uh, but it's um, so I, I'm still very apprehensive about going to the theater but I also I also miss it, um, and having access to all these movies is cool. But it's still like it's the act of going to the theater. It's I don't leave my house for much. You know, I go to work, I exercise, and otherwise, like you know, I go and get what I have to get. And I'm talking pre-pandemic, like pre-pandemic, I didn't leave my house much um, outside of those things. And but going to the movies was the kind of like my comfort of leaving the house. Like I'm going to get out of the house for a couple hours and go sit in another house, basically. But you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I missed that. And, uh, I just, it was, it, it was really kind of sad because I literally was like, I was on Fandango and I was on Adam tickets. Um, I don't know if you have either of those in, in the UK, but uh, I've heard of both of them. We don't use them over here though. 
but I'm just like eyeballing like look this theater is is available and like oh that movie's playing close to me like I would love to see Promising Young Woman in the theater because I really enjoyed that movie um Mm -hmm. also I'm kind of curious about Monster Hunter I think I'm not gonna love it but I think Uh it'll be fun um especially and that that feels like a movie that's designed for the big screen right like I like I probably wouldn't care at all to watch it at home, but like seeing that like crazy monster hunting on the, on a big screen. And then uh, they're showing alien at local theaters near me this week, which I've uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen in the theater anyways, but I, I would still go again. Cause I love that movie. So, you know, things like that make me really sad that like there's stuff there. I just don't want to get COVID. And so, yeah, there's, there is that. Um, I know I hear you, man. I, I see people posting online all the time. Um, uh, there's a there's a picture of the aisle, obviously the foyer, sorry, uh, of a cinema, and you've got obviously screen one, screen two uh, facing each other, and you're looking down. You've got the that beautiful cinema carpet, the posters on the wall, and the it's like a meme, and it's like the the only aisle I want to walk down next year, and it's the foyer uh, aisle, and I'm like, I can smell it. You know what I mean? I can I can yeah. smell like, the popcorn, the just the, just the furnishing and they all smell, have this like really distinctive smell. Um, and it's true. Like you say, that it's an experience and to some may find it frivolous, but it is. You, even if you are the most um, social party animal in the world, now still getting into your car, driving or walking, however close you live to, to the theater. And again, you walk through the doors, you've got the neon lights everywhere, the, the reflective um, sparkly floors. You've got the, the posters everywhere, the coffee shop on one side, the uh, concession stand in front of you. It's just people milling around, and it's exciting, especially when it's a big release, especially if you're going to watch one of the big releases, whether that's Marvel, DC, Star Wars, whatever it might be, because you know that everybody else there is pretty much there for the same reason. They're, they're as excited as you are. You might not speak to them, but you're part of the same clan on that time. Um, or even if you just go to watch the the, near, the, uh, the newest indie film. But there's just something about going there to sit down and watch a film. And it's that experience, man. And um, it's, it's uh, hopefully one day we'll never take for granted, you know, paying £4 for a bag of M&Ms, or, which is what, $7 stick for a bag. You know, I, I, I want those now. They taste exactly the same. But it's the experience, man. And again, I've, um, I've been looking, when I'm looking at films to add to my uh, letterboxed watch list now, um, I'm typing them in, uh, and sometimes it will come up saying they're playing in one of the smaller cinemas in London or the four pound cinema twenty minutes down the road. And I think I could make, I could do that journey. Really, I could, but like you say, the in the minute, well, I can't in the minute because of lockdown. But beforehand, it was, is it worth it to go and watch, you know, whatever film it might have been? But um, one day we'll get there. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope we'll get there. I can't see theaters like, closing their doors, but. It's just when, man, and it's, again, over here, it, and I know other territories around the world are locked down, and it feels like it's going to be a million miles away, and to be fair, it does, because it's not just the, it's, it's life has taken a, life has shut down for a lot of people, but we're going to get there, aren't we, man, and one day, on the bloody awesome movie podcast, we are going to take a photograph of ourselves at our theatres, and we're like, we're back, we're back, it's happened, you know, we're, we're here again, and theatres are up and running, but... Uh, until that day comes, I'm sure we can find other things, other films and ways to keep us entertained. And that's where we come into the movie for this week. Uh, we are utilizing the streaming services at our disposal, and we are going to be talking about Soul, the new Disney Plus release uh, that was supposed to be a theatrical release, the new Pixar film directed by Pete Docter, 
and Kent Powers, written by Pete Doctor, Mike Jones, and Kent Powers, uh, starring Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Rachel House, uh, Felicia Rashad. We, we've seen a lot of her movies this year. Um, yeah. Love and Angela Bassett, uh, as well as some other people. Um, the premise of Soul is a musician who has lost uh, lost his passion for music. That's not that's not a good description at all. That's not true. <laughs> does not lose his passion for music at all that's not part of the plot people uh thanks imdb is transported out of his body and must find his way back with help of an infant soul also seems inaccurate learning about herself um 95 rotten tomato 83 meta score and an 8.2 imdb user score um again i said this when we watched when we reviewed tenet and i'm going to say it with uh pixar i am a pixar fanboy um mm-hmm. Very few Pixar movies have not worked for me. Uh, uh, some of the obvious ones too. Like I don't think anyone's repping Cars too is like premier Pixar, right? Like it's just like yeah, that happened. Yeah, the Cars films for me, to be honest, the first one's fine, but yeah, mm. right. I like the first one. I actually like the third one. I don't think they're top near tier Pixar by any means. Um, Good Dinosaur, fine, but generally speaking, I love Pixar. Toy Story one, two, three, and four are high on my list of like all time favorite movies. I love mm-hmm. those films so so much. And um, it, two things should be noted. I was a musician and I am a teacher. And uh, ah. I, I hit this movie. Uh, this movie hit me so hard um, for so many things like that. Uh, it, it connected on a big way. Um, in fact, I was I, I as often happens, I listened to Slash Films review of this, although it was not on their main episode for once. Um, but they they uh, they do, they're doing After Darks. Um, and. I was like, I don't always agree with their point of view, but for once I was like, I was actively wanting to contact them and tell them why I thought they weren't getting something because uh, an interpretation of the story that didn't click for them, that really clicked for me, I I don't feel I can talk about because we do avoid spoilers, listener. But um, the take that I had was, was so profound and felt so much like a part of my own story of how I, I started to be, I became a teacher mainly so I could have nights and weekends off so I could pursue my music career. And eventually I became a teacher where I really embraced being a teacher. And, um, I think that's a part of this movie in some ways, but, uh, I found so much of it to be great. Uh, there has been some, uh, very, I think important points given about some of the decisions and casting choices that the movie makes. Um, that kind of become problematic and I didn't know about them until listening to some other reviews and reading some I other things. I haven't heard these. Um, and yeah, uh, it, it's, uh, I, again, I feel like there's an element of the film that would be a spoiler um, because I don't think the trailer gives a lot away about mm-hmm. what the movie is other than that there is like a afterlife element to it um, yeah. with the, uh, even the name of the film soul, it's going to talk about soul uh, to a degree, the way it's spelled and everything. So, um, but I, I, I thought it, it's a, I think there's some really gorgeous imagery in the film. Um, I think it's, uh, there's a lot of moments that are very, very funny. I, I enjoyed the chemistry between um, the, uh, the main character and um, the infant soul who's voiced by Tina Fey and Jamie Foxx plays our main character. I thought there's uh, some good interactions that are pretty funny um, as Pixar is want to do. Uh, they, they juggle tones and they, they, they tend to get it right. You know, there's moments where it's really, really funny. There are moments where it's devastatingly sad. Um, and Pixar is able to kind of just make it work where you don't feel like it's uh, too much of one thing or another. I didn't at least. Um, 
I I was totally in. Again, I think the story just hits elements that are always going to work for me. Often movies about teaching uh, will land for me. Movies about musicians usually land for me. This one merged those two together, which is like my life in such a weird way that it definitely worked for me. So all of that said, I loved it. It was kind of made for me to love. So apologies if it's not a fair or unbiased review in that way. But, um, you know, we all have our own kind of areas of interest. And this one checks those boxes for me pretty hard. Uh, I hope, Matt, that you enjoyed this film as well. I did enjoy this film as well, my friend. I um, I gravitated to the soul side of it because I love soul music. I'm a soul boy. Um, so I was hoping to get some um, solid soul music and no spoilers. In the end credits, we hear Curtis Mayfield, a cover of It's All Right, which is one of my favourite songs of all time. He did it with the impressions way back when. Rest in peace, Curtis Mayfield. Um, I did like this film. I thought it was really, really very good. Um, like you said, it's not top tier, I don't think, for me. But And, I, and again, that phrase is... I know it winds a lot of people up, but top tier Pixar, but it, it, it's still very good. It felt a bit rushed towards the end. Like they were just kind of like, well, we need to end this. Let's just, you know, get there quite quickly. But other than that, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. It was um, an existential adventure, wasn't it? That it felt more confined than a lot of other previous Pixar films. It was kind of set in New York and in this kind of like purgatory, this kind of a great beyond area. But it felt quite wise as well. It, it had lots of wisdom in it. It is it, for the kids still, but I found this was more so for the adults than most Pixar films. That is for for everybody and the adults. It has have those moments for the kids, and the kids can watch it and dig it. But I did kind of feel like it was talking to you know the older Pixar fans and those who have grown up with Pixar, who like you and I, who were there when Toy Story came out in '95, and uh, and now twenty six years later. Ooh, we're uh, watching this and it did kind of feel like it was looking at us to say, do you know what, you know, you are yourself, your individuality is what shapes you, you know, life's worth living. It's it's little bits in life that are the most rewarding. It may not be, you just might not be able to see it yet. So there was a lot of great messages in it and it's Pixar, you know it's going to be. And um, like you said, by God, JR, does this look good? This film looks so good. And does it sound good? Yes. It looks good. It sounds good. Do you know um, who the composer is? Not of the jazz music, but of like the score. I did. It's uh, Trent, isn't it? And uh, yeah. the other guy, who's Atticus named... Ross and Trent Reznor. That's it. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. a really, really, really good score. It's a really lovely kind of sound bed to accompany the uh, the non jazz elements. And I, I, I did really like it, dude. I uh, it was the first Pixar Disney Plus original as well. It's a nice bit of um, trivia because it was obviously supposed to release at the theater and seeing what they did with the kind of the the netherworld the afterlife the ether and how damn good they made new york look in places like that oh it's like a bamp staple now but i would have loved to have seen that on the big screen yeah. um but but we didn't i got to see it on my screen at home and it looked just as good i i did like this an awful lot i really did and i'm glad to see it's getting positive uh reviews yeah uh, i was hoping it was going to be I was gonna. I was hoping it would be like two percent more. I don't know. Little. It was just something. But I guess the last thing I could say is that it feels more like a film than a Pixar film, and I don't mean that in any kind of derogatory way. It, it, it whereas you know Pixar films, they have a formula and they usually go for the jugular at one point, like really, really hard, like Onward did. I mean, Onward was a killer, but um, this one it felt more like a, a standard film narrative, which wasn't a bad thing. Um, and I liked it for that. It's one of the reasons why I liked it, because it kind of stood aside from some of the other Pixar films I've seen recently, only slightly. But um, again, that's not to the detriment of the film. I, 
I really did enjoy this, but I, I wasn't aware of any casting controversies though. Yeah. Um, well, and again, I, I would love to get into the specifics, but it does deal with uh, the treatment of black characters um, in them, not a black protagonist, I think in particular through cinema. Um, it, it should be noted this, the director Pete doctor uh, has done monsters Inc up and inside out for Pixar as well. So uh, very versed in the the Pixar universe, so an interesting observation that it doesn't feel as formulaic as some of their other movies. Um, and he, it still it still hits some emotions. They they do some oh, really cool. good uh, montage stuff, which they are known for. Um, the the visualization of the music, like when he's in the zone, I think is really interesting and compelling. Um, you know, I think uh, the movie just does it just works for me. I definitely I I agree with. Um, part of the concern it was actually uh initially addressed with a friend of mine and then um slash film brought it up as well and it's not it's not an egregious complaint and that's why i think you're still seeing mostly positive reviews but i think that's where you're just like mm. and um i so tina fey uh i have not i always think of her as like really well regarded and really well liked within the the community but apparently she her treatment of um minority characters in in tv shows and stuff has even i guess she has said like that she doesn't i can't think of the words that they used like she's outspoken about not really avoiding like dealing with racism and things like that like and not in a it it sounds more like she she doesn't think about how it might be perceived or something along those lines and i think that plays into like her casting um which is it? I do want to throw out David Diggs is like in a very small role, but yes. I really, really like him. Um, and uh, Richard Ayo, I, I always mess up his name. Ayoadi, 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 Ayoadi. Sorry, yeah. I, I am a big fan of his through IT Crowd. Um, one of my favorite uh, BBC, I think it's BBC, right? Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, big, big yep. fan of that. Uh, so I love, I love whenever he's in something. Um, Small part, mind you, but he's great. And Rachel House, who is a Taika Watiti regular, um, she's in uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. She's uh, she's a, I think she's just a voice in Thor Ragnarok, mm-hmm. um, but she shows up here and she's also uh, playing a very similar character to her Hunt for the Wilder People character, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, I I love Soul. Um, it's a for me. It's not. I wouldn't say it is. No, I think I would put it as top tier for me. Um, no. Acknowledging that it just clicks with my sensibilities, but I have it ranked. Number seven in my Pixar rankings out of all of their films, um, with uh, the Toy Story quadrilogy being the top four for me um, always. But that's film subjective, man, and that's that's what film's supposed to do. It's going to hit you harder. There'll be a film coming out soon which just grabs me, and I'm like, that's it. That's the best film I've seen this year. And other people might be like, that's not very good, or it's fine. And that's the beauty of film, man. And we say again, we say that every week on the Bamp. But um, if Soul hit you harder, then great that's what it's all about my friend and i did again i like this film i did and i've just read about the controversy and yeah it's um, I'll, I'll stay away from that but um i was just i was in, i was uh, like surprised to hear graham norton's voice pop up he's a british yeah. um tv uh, talk show uh, host right talk show host yeah yeah, so, yeah. Uh, much better than james corden um but no i yeah, i did i did like this film I I would like to I need to revisit pixar though to be honest because i'm sitting here saying this this and this top tier top tier but I generally watch Pixar films when they come out and I don't always revisit them. And I certainly not, or certainly not very often, despite the fact that I really like almost all of them. So um, yeah. I will do a Pixar rewatch one day, but, uh, but I remember just thinking like Onward last year that had that to me, had that Pixar formula where 
it 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 had those it had the messages it had the look it had the humor but it had that gut punch at the end you know around that re- it got you it really it went out it went out to get you to get the t- to, to make you cry and it got you Whereas soul was a lot more i think it was a lot more subtle in the way it did that it had its moments and there was you know a couple of piano led montages which were really beautiful but it didn't i don't think it purposely sat there and thought right we need we need that moment we need that moment, or which is where everyone's going to burst out crying, and it's going to be remembered like Up or like Coco or something. So, which is why I kind of resonated with me because it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be, which which is a good thing. Yep, I need to uh, rewatch Wally, but otherwise, like I've seen all the Toy Story movies, I can't tell you how many times I've rewatched mm. those a lot. Um, I've seen Coco a few times, and that's my number five. Um, I've seen Up a few times, and I, I guess I've watched many of them multiple times. Um, although uh, my daughter was like key Pixar age, like we saw Ratatouille in the theater together, that kind of thing. Nice. Um, I haven't rewatched Inside Out, I don't think. Um, and I've seen Nemo several times. I haven't rewatched a lot of the sequel ones, but I, I, I love, I love Pixar as a company. Their movies do work for me. And Onward, I, it's so crazy when we talk about like how this year has like time has just ceased to exist because onward i loved and it doesn't feel like i saw it right before the pandemic like i literally that was one of the last four movies i saw in theater um before covered that yeah and i i really love that movie um Mm -hmm. but yeah i can't believe it was only a year ago it feels like i saw that forever ago uh no god help us remember mad max was set in 2021 so get your letters out john It's, it's time I uh, I will be driving um, the watermobile, so if you are thirsty, make sure you stop in. Um, but I think that concludes our review of Soul. Uh, again, you can watch that on Disney Plus with a subscription. Unlike when they released Mulan, there is no additional rental fee for this, um, which no. is uh, kind of interesting. We'll see what they do next. If they release anything else big, if they're going to do it straight to Disney Plus, or if they're going to uh, charge us. Um, if they follow HBO Max, which I feel like that's kind of what happened here, um, that Wonder Woman was dropping. They're like, not to be outdone, we'll give you Soul. Um, and of the two movies, I like Soul a heck of a lot more. Um, Same here. So that's our review of Soul. And we're going to move into Chopped Headlines. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention this week. Matt, what was uh, what was yours? He's just necking his cup of tea. Um, mine, so to kick off 2021, I thought I'd kick off with a positive story. And for once, it actually is. There's no sarcasm there. And the headline from Entertainment Weekly reads, Women directed a record number of films in 2020, a study has found. Which uh, caught my eye because, good, which was what we want. Um, and it said this in the story, which is written by... Uh, Tyler Aquilina, so shout out to him. Uh, he said women directors comprise 16% of the top 100 movies of last year. And directors, writers, producers, executive producers, editors, cinematographers made up 21%. Now, of course, you might look at that and be like, well, what about the other 80% with the other 84%? Uh, just, this, this, this is a rise now from a year on year. We're getting more and more. It doesn't matter how many films were released last year. The top 100, the most popular, 16 of them were uh directed by women which is a massive increase on you know where we were this time 10 years ago and i'm thinking we had birds of prey with kathy yen wonder woman 84 regardless of what we thought about it uh emma autumn de wilder uh port travel lady on file was uh celine skiama mulan uh disney plus nikki caro i haven't seen this yet but nomadland um by chloe Zhao, 
That's it. And that's coming out this year for us and you, I think, as well. But it's a 2020 release. And then going through other films like on my letterbox, some of the films which are in my top 25, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Eliza Hitman, The Half of It, Alice Wu, uh, Rose Glass directed St. Maud, She Dies Tomorrow, which Amy Simetz, which messed me and John up. Um, yeah. Natalie Erica way. James gave us Relic. This year we got Kate Shortland, A Black Widow, Chloe Zhao again with The Eternal. So we are, it's good, it's good to see these, man. One of a movie that I will talk about more probably next week. Um, the Promising Young Woman is also a female director. Um, yes, uh, Emerald Fennel, who I was not familiar with, but man, uh, knocked it out of the park in my opinion with the Promising Young Woman. Um, I can't wait to see it. Comes out here in a few weeks' time, and I cannot wait to check it. I've heard so much about it. I really can't wait to check that out. But um, yeah, so the whilst there is an imbalance still. Let's not let's not look at the negative. Look, let's look at the positive that representation and diversity is coming to the fore in terms of direction and behind the scenes. And of those films I've just mentioned, again, not all of them are great. That's but that doesn't matter who. Like what Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman may not have been your favorite films of the year. Doesn't matter the fact that they got out there, big budget films to, with big stars, um, big production. They're directed by women. This is, you know, ten even ten years ago. It's just you just don't you weren't seeing it as much. But then you get stuff like Never Really, um, She Dies Tomorrow, Saint Maud. So, so films which are either crushing, impactful, they'll mess you up, they'll mess with your head. Proper good stories. This is what and portrait of a lady on fire as well. Yeah. Look, this is this is this is what we want, man. We're getting different voices, we're getting different opinions, different cultures, presenting different ideas. And it is great. It is great. Again, whether the films are good or not, I don't care because we've had we've got loads of films directed by white men which are rubbish. We've got loads of films directed by black men which aren't great. Doesn't matter. But the fact that we're getting these films is yeah. is a, is what we want, isn't it, man? And they might be great to somebody, and that's exactly it's more about the voices being heard and like a, a different voices getting to tell their stories. Whether they work or not for everybody isn't the point. It's just that they exist and that someone gets to find out if they work or not. Um, and, and I think that positivity is needed because my article is the total opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a derision that I'm, I'm wanting to put out there to the world. You know, there's so much negativity, especially here in the States over the last couple of years. And in particular, 2020, 2020 was full of hate and hatred, partly because of the election. Um, and this idea that we are, we are polarized, that you have to be one or the other, that you can't have gray area that you can't have differing opinions you can't have crossover and i think that it, we need to change that mindset first of all and then second is remember that just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to share it and in this instance there were two articles that caught my attention that were of essentially the same uh, area these evil internet trolls and that's the thing i don't even know if they're trolling anymore i think they're just that maybe ignorant to what they're doing and how they can hurt people it's like just because someone is famous doesn't mean they don't have feelings and more you don't you don't get to put them down because they're doing something that you either maybe want to do or aspire to be and of the two i am a fan of one of these people and i am i kind of i mock quietly the other to my wife because she watches a lot of hallmark movies and this actress candace cameron beret does a lot of hallmark christmas movies so during basically from october till the end of christmas um she's on my tv a lot and I, I love Full House when I was a kid. I don't think it holds up. I don't think she's a terrible actress. I think she's a very formulaic actress. She does the same thing, and that's fine. 
I think, you know, I have nothing negative to say about her as a person, but what the article is, she posted a like family Christmas picture on her Instagram with positive wishes to everybody. And people started criticizing her children. And that's it's disgusting. And it's, un, you know, like, why do you need to do that? Like, you don't have to, you can think that and not say it on her Instagram, mind you. It's not even like they're saying it on their own Instagram. They're putting it as a comment to her picture. And we've seen this for years. People do it to YouTube videos. It's, it's ridiculous that with both the, uh, the, you know, the anonymity of the internet and this, I think inflated self esteem or self confidence that people d- exhibit is disgusting. And it only got worse with Kamel Ninjani. And what really bugs me about this one is that Kamel posted the first picture of his body transformation over a year ago. And I started my weight loss journey two years ago, um, almost exactly. And the first motivator for me was Kevin Smith almost dying of a heart attack and him losing a lot of weight and going, and I'm like, I need, I don't want to get to that point where I have a major heart attack. So I'm going to start losing weight before I get there. But Kevin was a huge inspiration, someone who I've I've always kind of looked up to um, and kind of pushed me to explore film in a way that I had not beforehand uh indirectly like he had nothing he didn't know he was doing that but he was the reason i did a lot of these things and um and then a year later when kamel posts his picture and i see i'd been a fan of kamel i'd watched kamel you know with various things i've always really rooted for him i think he's often the funniest part of the movies that he's been a part of and seeing his transformation motivated me to go to that next step so i'd got i'd lost some weight now it was time to like get into shape not just lose the weight but also like start to bulk up and and frame myself a little more not not nearly i'm not trying to be a, a marvel guy but you know i wanted to like push no, of course. and so all of a sudden and for months he's been posting a friday's his cheat day and he'll post a picture of the the amazing desserts that he gets um and he cheats but the dude like he burns calories like crazy so he's cheating like harder than anyone should probably cheat but he can do it right and people this last friday started calling him like a you know accusing him of steroids or testosterone uh, mocking him in a variety of ways um and it's well documented that he had a trainer marvel provided him with the trainer when he started to do eternals the chloe zhao film that we just mentioned um and uh he has done two uh, he's done a men, men's health did a, a whole expose on him and did a, a really cool youtube video which i have a link which will be in the show notes um of Camille, it's, it's like a old school kind of reminds me of um, MTV Cribs, but it's like just fridge and gym. Show us what's in your fridge. What kind of foods are you eating? And then show us your gym. And Camille has a gym in his house. You know, he's a pretty successful comedian and actor at this point. Dude's got a nice setup, you know? So even during the pandemic, which he has taken extremely seriously, um, I feel like I know Camille because of his podcast. Uh, his podcasts have always been very like open, intimate style. And I've listened to most of them. So I'm very familiar with him as a person and so it it did feel like a friend was getting attacked even though Camille doesn't know me and i wish i only wish we were actually friends um one day maybe uh but he was getting attacked for for getting in shape and um if there's a, a podcast called american glutton uh that's uh ethan souplay's podcast and i've become a big fan of that because uh ethan another kevin smith connection ethan is in mall rats um he is the guy who is uh looking at the 3d poster the like you know you have to stare at it and you'll see an image yes and he's a giant guy at some point um he weighed 500 pounds 
And if you look at him now, it's insane, the transformation that he's gone under. And the podcast is basically a way of him making sure he stays focused on the weight loss. Because just like anybody who struggled with weight, it is very easy to fall off the wagon and start eating badly again. Um, and there's an episode he did with Kamel, which I will also link in the show notes that I think is uh, it's excellent. It was what turned me on to the Glutton podcast because I saw that Kamel was on it and I'm a big Kamel fan. So I wanted to listen. And Kamel suffered with body uh, issues too, but his were because he was scrawny and skinny and struggled that way versus where like Ethan and my own story, we were overweight and now we're trying to stay at a healthy weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to like attack him and uh, a lot of Twitter came to his aid and that's what the article kind of talks about. Um, pointing out the the inherent racism as you didn't see these attacks at Chris Evans, who was not super bulked until he was Captain America or uh, Hemsworth has mostly been known for being a bulky guy, but admittedly has said he's, he's uh, in fact, Hemsworth has talked about how the pictures you see of him, like ripped and stuff is like dehydrated, you know, over the top, like the peak of his existence. He only looks like that for those photos, basically. And so like, but yet you don't hear people making those same accusations. So there's been claims of racism being thrown around um, that. Why are we attacking Kamel when we weren't attacking those other Marvel guys who were all white actors? And I think there's a case to be made there Um, because again, Kamel, he does look different. Like if you look at him from this to like the big sick, insanely different body. Yeah. But he's documented the work he put in to do it and how he admits to having a trainer. Marvel provides their guys with trainers who are going to bulk you up because they have an expectation for how you need to look, which I think is a part of the screw up of our our whole industry when it comes to Hollywood, that we have these expectations of appearances and that we don't we can't allow people to be people. Um, But nonetheless, uh, I think we guys, we got to stop. We got to stop being cruel um, and putting people down because again what's why are you putting him down if he's doing steroids that is that is a concern steroids are are i think pretty provenly bad for people yeah. but that's not you're not going to convince him to stop doing it by criticizing him and giving him you know crap about his body and again if he's not doing steroids all that hard work he put in you're you're minim- minimizing as though he didn't do it and that's not fair either like it's not your place to give those comments and you're not criticizing. It's not like what we do here when we criticize a film or a performance, those are artistic expressions and it's, we admit to it being subjective and we're giving our take and people criticize our takes on things. People will criticize our criticisms and we have to accept that because we're putting that out into the world. And yes, you could argue he's putting an image into the world, but it's, it's Instagram. You don't have to follow him. You don't have to see it. It's not quite the same as a movie. And again, criticizing the quality of the photo versus criticizing how he got to that look is I think significantly different. Um, and same thing with like the Candace Cameron Bure, like criticizing her children because of it's a family photo. Like, let's be real. We all have family photos. We are not proud of and would not want to see the light of day. Right. Um, and I think she handled it unbelievably gracefully, um, but also at the same time, she didn't just take it. She, she's like, Hey, why are you doing this? Like, don't, don't be like that. And I, that's kind of my point. It's very easy to put negativity in the world. It's just as easy to not. And that's what I think we need to do is like, stop putting negativity out there. If you feel that you have to diminish someone else's accomplishments or put somebody down, look inward for a minute and ask why. Um, Cause I don't feel like while we criticize films, I don't think we ever set out 
to give a negative review. We don't watch a movie with anticipation of hating it or wanting to hate it. Sometimes we kind of feel it coming, but it's not our goal. We don't want to hate things. And I will, I stopped reviewing films that I just generally like if a filmmaker makes things that I tend to not like, I try to avoid, I, I not like, I don't want to just keep giving those negative criticisms because I'm not looking for clicks. Like if people read my reviews, I, I, I appreciate that. If people listen to our podcast, I appreciate that, but I'm not going to try to cheat listens or, or uh, listeners by just being mean or cruel. That's not how I want to, to gain listeners. So I encourage you, everybody be positive. Uh, sorry if I'm on a soapbox, but I, I am passionate. I'm a big supporter of Kamel. I think Kamel does great things. I can't wait to see Eternals. Um, I also, I love what I, I've only seen the writer from Chloe Zhao, but I love the writer so much. And honestly, if you know me, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I don't like movies about horses and I really <laughs> am not really into country movies, uh, like movies about uh, horse riding or cowboys, maybe a little bit on the Westerns, but she, she I loved the writer so much so i'm all about the eternals i can't wait to see i can't wait to see nomadland it's got kamel it's got her directing i'm in so uh matt i don't know did you hear about these beforehand um the kamel one i had i hadn't i've never actually heard of candace cameron burr to be honest until just now i haven't read the article it's just it's just people isn't it man and everything you've just said i mean i can't really build upon everything you just said is true it's 2021 we've lived we're living through a pandemic people are dying yet there are still people who who want to sit behind a keyboard and be racist. It's probably what it is. It's, you know, you mentioned all those people, Hemsworth um, uh, and the other one you mentioned as well. And like, Hugh Jackman was never that buffed, but he got buffed for um, mm-hmm. Wolverine. Henry Cavill in the Tudors wasn't quite like he was a Superman, but nobody yeah. was saying anything other than, Phew, look at that beefcake, which yeah, is exactly yeah. what Kamal is. Kamal is an absolute stud of a man. Look, just honestly, if I looked one ounce as good as that man does now, and again, he looked fine before, but... What he's taken his craft seriously. He's a, he's he's in a superhero movie where he has to project this superhero physique as is the as is an, as an eternal. So he's gone and done that. He's gone and done that. He's got himself in shape for a role. Great. He's he's committed to his task to his role. And it, there is you know, there's more much more nefarious things going on than it's just oh well look at this show off on Instagram. It's, it's, it is and it's obviously the people who they just they just don't like it. We're living in this world world now where a lot of backwards people just throw terms like woke out very quickly. Everything's woke. Everything's SJW. I'm not sure you even know what those words mean, all those terms mean, but you're saying it because it's the buzzword of the week. And it always comes down to, if you saw Cormel sitting in the uh, the cake shop where, where that lovely looking cake he's eating, oh, are you really going to go up to him and say, you look like you look like an idiot, man. Get off the roids or whatever, and, and all this other crap that they're spewing. And we all know the answer is no. Of course you're not. The same, same as driving. The stuff people say when they're driving, they, they you don't say it to people if they were face to face. If they stop and get out of the car, those people soon drive off scared. It's just like you say, you've got to take a look at yourself, man, and or go outside once in a while. Go outside, get some air, you know, see, enjoy life rather than just being a miserable so and so stuck wherever it is you're living. Because you know the man's doing well for himself. He's not. He's putting himself out there as part of his journey, as would every single one of us. If I go from looking like I do now to that, I don't post, uh, like Kumail said, I don't, he doesn't post topless photos online. But in this instance, I'm going to, because look at this transfer. Look, you know, look what I've, look what I've achieved. I'll tell you something now. If I look like that in a year's time, I'll be doing exactly the same thing. And even, even if it gets me three likes, do you know what I mean? I'm like, yep, I've, I've earned this. So, you, you know, know, 
inspirational, man, is what it is. And if people want to knock it down, then that's more a reflection on the ho- horrible side of society. But at the same time, we just need to put a blanket over those people and just carry on. Like we mentioned with my stories, just with the, there's always going to be a negative slant to it. But if we focus on the positives, it, 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 it all comes out a lot better in the end. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've, you know, we put ourselves out there and I've had people like attack me for things that I d- were not relevant to like my opinions. Even they are just like, you know, I'm talking about film, like, yeah, you're fat. It's like, okay, thank you. Like, and it, it's just, it's crazy. Um, and I'm not saying I'm innocent of it. I'm sure if you dig through my reviews, I probably went harsh on somebody or like, I don't think I've ever attacked someone's appearance. Um, unless it was relevant to like the view, the look of the character or something like that. But I, you know, um, at least I hope not. And if I have, I apologize because I'm not perfect. I don't want to be that person. Um, and I know in real life, I definitely have. I've definitely. You're not going them. after demographics of people or or, or right. particular race or anything like that, are you? No. And, okay. Again, um, but I, I just I want to always push for positivity. Even again, we're all capable of making mistakes, and that's I'm not condemning those who said it as much as I'm asking you to to not. You know, don't do it again. Apologize. Ask for forgiveness. I'm willing to grant that. I think that's something. Uh, this culture we have become way too quick to cancel people as opposed to look for redemption and i think that's part of that positivity shift some things can't be redeemed i'm not saying everything is redeemable but many things are especially if there's really truthful regret or uh, request for forgiveness i think that we should be willing to give that when applicable so if you were one of those people delete your comment and say you're sorry you know it's that easy it's it's not asking you to to change your your uh your whole day or anything around it it's just undo that little thing you did and people can move on you asked the world jb but let's hope the work let's hope enough people can get that message out there because again we've we've also we've all had a crap last year so let's not just pile on more rubbish just for no reason other than just being a bit stupid so um i i concur with you there my friend i agree so moving away from our uh, chalked headlines and getting into our consumption of media or media consumption, movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts uh, that we have used to pass the time. We have been active this week, guys. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Um, and some of mine falls into my uh, my bloody awesome from last week, my resolution that I've already kicked off. Matt, I'm excited to get into that. But let's start with you. What have you been consuming since our last episode? Ugh, right usually i don't have too much but i've gone absolutely like wolvie berserk on films in the last uh week or so because i've been trying to um catch up on the 2020 films i've missed so when we do our kind of best and worst of the year i want to at least go in and say right i've seen everything or you know the vast majority of things i could have done or the things that are popping up on the kind of must-see for 2020 list so at least i can say that it's in, in a year where cinema was turned on its head at least I can be confident that I've, you know, uh, tasted enough of its offerings to be able to say that my list is where it should be. So um, I won't necessarily review each of these films. I'll just give it a thumbs up or thumbs down. But uh, right from the start of the year, I watched Gretel and Hansel from Oz Perkins, and I loved The Black Coat's Daughter. Had really high hopes for Gretel and Hansel, and I just thought it was um, a beautiful-looking mere kind of... It was... uh, I I didn't... (laughs) I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, no. It had Oz Perkins' um, stylist, stylistic uh, choices all over it, which I love. But it just kind of didn't really go in here for me. It felt A24 light, and it didn't, but it didn't feel like a 
it didn't feel like it was pushing itself as far as it could have done. It felt like Oz Perkins really wanted to make something a bit more with a bit more bite to it, should we say, but he was kind of restrained somewhat, I think. But um Great Enhanced. So I watched Antebellum, the Janelle Monet fronted horror film, and it was absolute crap. Um <laughs> it bored the hell out of me and the twist was just uh, laughable. Mulan, finally went to watch Mulan, Disney Plus. And I thought it was okay. I didn't dislike it at all. I thought it was just fine. I I felt it was a bit hollow. I didn't think it didn't, it felt a bit emotionless at times, like a bit, I can't remember how I put it now, but a bit soulless, but I liked it. I thought, again, it looked beautiful. The action was great. The acting was fine, but it was just missing a spark. Um, The Gentleman, the Guy Ritchie film, I surprisingly really enjoyed this film, actually. I really liked this film. And I'm a bit hit and miss with Guy Ritchie. I don't like, especially in recent years, we both liked Aladdin. And, you know, he's kind of almost right. been living off of Lockstock and uh, Snatch originally. That's what people think when they think of his gangster films. And he has done good films, like The Man from Uncle since then, and, and amongst others. But then you have things like King Arthur, and it's like, what, you know, what, what, what does he need to do to kind of get that spark back? And the gentleman felt like a director who's just like, you know what, I'm going to go back to what I know best, and I'm going to have fun doing it. And that's what the gentleman felt like to me. I had a good time. Um, Borat's subsequent movie film, we we kind of put it off reviewing it for the BAMP because none of us really wanted to watch it ahead of some of the other films coming out, even though there wasn't many coming out. And to be honest, I'm quite glad because I wasn't really, I didn't really like Borat's subsequent movie film, Borat 2. I thought it was uh, reaching. It just kind of, whereas the first Borat had something about it. It was absurd, but it had something to it. It's a bit like, you know, Jackass or Impractical Jokers and stuff like that, where you know, once you've seen a few, once you get into the, a few seasons down the line, it kind of you've seen it all before, you've done it before, and everyone seems to be in on the shtick somewhat. And that's kind of what Borat felt like. It felt like it was trying to be shocking for shocking's sake, and it wasn't really very fun either. So um, Maria Bakalova was good in it, though, so I'll give that. Uh, Shirley, Elizabeth Moss film. Um, Elizabeth Moss, again, playing somebody slightly unhinged. She's really good in this kind of thriller film which was surprisingly good as well. I didn't expect it to be bad, but I, like I quite it. enjoyed that film. Uh, JB liked it because he's a, he's a man uh, after my own talents and hearts. Uh, St. Maud, mentioned that earlier on. I heard an awful lot about St. Maud, that it was the most shocking film of the, you know, but you know all the taglines that come along with a new horror film that gets hype. And I liked St. Maud as well. I thought it was really good. It wasn't as effective as I thought it was going to be, but I think I still gave it a high eight out of 10. Again, a beautiful looking film, well acted, very Deep, very pondering film, but really quite good. Um, I'll skip one and come back to it. The Midnight Sky. I watched that on Netflix the other day. The George Looney. George Looney? <laughs> George <laughs> Clooney. He, he, he goes Looney. George Clooney directed and uh, leading man uh, f- offering. I watched actually, we actually the two kids, they sat down and watched it, especially the oldest one, who really got into it, which is really odd to sit down and watch that. But Olivia, my youngest, was just kind of like, oh, look, stars, space. I was like, yep, cool, huh? I actually quite enjoyed Midnight Sky. I said to JB afterwards, it wasn't perfect, but it was fine. I've seen this getting an awful lot of flack uh, online for just being a bit rubbish, but I, there was something to it. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I thought George Clooney was very good and his relationship with a little girl actor, actress, sorry, was good. Felicity Jones is good in it. David Oyelowo um, is good. Who he's always good. I thought it was a decent film. You could. Uh, it's not very transparent. You, anyone who's seen film will be able to see. You know the payoff from a mile off. You'll see it. You know about a third of the way through the film, and you're just waiting for them to reveal it. But um, 
almost done. I watched The Assistant. That was on Sky Go. I've been wanting to watch this film. And it's kind of like Patterson in the sense that The Assistant is a slice of life. It's about a female assistant, uh, PA, in a in an office in the United States. And it's basically it's, it's a couple of days in her life, similar to Patterson. However, this is more the treatment that she receives from her male colleagues and female colleagues as well, the way she's looked down on um, and the trials and tribulations of her life in this role. And I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really, really, really good. Um, so if you can watch The Assistant, um, I, it won't be for everyone. I, again, I've seen, I, I've kind of done a few notes on it and I've looked elsewhere and a, lot, a few people have said, it's boring, nothing happens. But it's the same vibe as Patterson where you could easily look at that film and be like, it's just a, nothing boring. It's nothing happens, but it isn't. It's really, really good. So the assistant, I recommend. Uh, I watched a film called Sea Fever, which came out, which is um, about uh, some fishermen and fish and scientists on board a boat who go. Uh, a female scientist, Hermione Caulfield, goes out on a boat because she has to do it to gain a qualification, I believe, and the boat catches a parasite, and it all gets a bit. Um, creepy and I, again fairly effective sort of seven out of ten sea-based horror film uh speaking of which i watched underwater the christian stewart film from january and which was being called alien in 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 the ocean and uh, that was fine as well perfectly servable horror horror film yeah i, like I saw it. a lot of people i know you i remember you saying you liked it um there were some good moments in it it was an interesting take and it did feel like alien under underwater and i didn't dislike it i thought it was just fine and the final one of the final films I saw was one that JB sent to me. It was A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Tom Hanks is Mr. Rogers, a match made in heaven. I sat down and watched it. I've been feeling sorry for myself over the weekend. And I was like, do you know what? John Burke has, not only is he the saviour and the statesman, but he really was. I was like, he sent me this film, which is, oh, surely, surely this is going to raise the spirits. And of course it did. It's wonderful, isn't it? I, I knew going in that it was going to be great, but... Uh, and I know of Mr. Rogers. I have seen some of the episodes when I was younger, and it's just such an uplifting, such a positive film. And we're talking about those ch- those headlines just now, uh, and then we talk about a film like this, which is just a man who didn't stand for that. He wasn't here for that. He wasn't here for the attitudes of the time, and certainly wouldn't be here for some of the attitudes nowadays. And what a great film, isn't it, man? I'm so glad you sent that. I'm so appreciative, and it was a really, really good watch, man. I'm really glad. One, Meryl Heller, the director, is just she has such a phenomenal visual style in that particular film, and also in Diary of a Teenage Girl. Uh, you don't get to see that in Call Me. Um, Can you ever forgive me? Which I think is a great movie, but she does, she's a much more grounded filmmaker in that one. Um, where this, like the framing of the movie as an episode of the show, is one of the most important things that she does because it makes so many cool visual opportunities in the movie. Um, and I, I absolutely adored that. But uh, also, I, I, have you seen um, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the documentary about Mr. Rogers? No, I haven't. Uh, the one that was supposed to win the Oscar but didn't. No, I haven't. Um, have. That was because document. I, I, you're always sending me documentaries and I never get around to them because it's the same as TV. For some reason, I my gap list of documentaries is unreal, like stupidly unreal. So I will, having seen this, it's made me want to go and watch that. Well, I'll tell you, um, I love that movie. I, I saw that. I was at South by the one time I got to go to South by and it was a fantastic experience. Um, I really want to encourage uh, that year, which is 2018 and 
this year, 20, well, this past year, 2020, as awful as the year was, both of those two years have some of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And if you are like Matt, and I was like this for a long time, I avoided docs. I have really embraced documentaries. I still don't watch as many as I should, but man, um, just from 2018, uh, Three Identical Strangers, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Free Solo, three that are must-see, you got to watch. Uh, and then from last year, uh, I'm going to talk about one momentarily, but um, we we reviewed the uh, – I'm going to forget the name of the, the, the dude that we watched. Um, oh, Amor. Mo, 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 yeah. yeah um, I, um, I know. Which, Walter Mercado. Mucho, mucho Mi Amor. Or uh, Mucho Mucho Amor. Something like that. We we reviewed that. Um, but there's uh, one I'm going to talk about momentarily, but I'm going to let you finish. I'm really glad you liked the movie, though. You sound like Kanye West, then. I'm, I'm going to let you finish. Um, no, I did really like that film. I've got... Um, couple of other ones that JB sent. So the lighthouse, if you remember, but also the peanut butter Falcon turned up, which JB sent, which was the other disc, which was teased last week. So I finally get to watch the millennium Falcon smothered in peanut butter. And I can't <laughs> wait. I'm guessing that's what it's about anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to watching that with um, Dakota Johnson and he who should not be named starring. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to watching that this week, but I also, I save this one, not because it's the best to last, but because we've both seen it and swallow, and I know um, you've got a story of when you saw this, but I finally got to sit down and watch it on, again, on Sky Sky Cinema. Sorry, not Sky Go, Sky Cinema over here. Um, it's on here. So I sat down and watched it. A lot of, I'd listened to a few podcasts, um, Nightmare and Film Street, you said, you know, this was one of their favourite films of the year. And they obviously a horror film podcast. And I'd heard people talking about it, saying it was a bit, got quite strange. Uh, and I really wanted to check it out. It's Hayley Bennett. Um stars and i thought again again i thought this film was okay as well it's it was a very odd film and it's certainly not a bad film but i didn't find myself ever thinking this is great i, I consistently consistently throughout i was like you know i mean i mean i want to know what's going on but you know, this is good i thought i thought it was so swallow isn't going to attack my top 10 this year but um you saw this um a few few days ago didn't you mate yeah, I, I got to see it at Tribeca 2019, um, which is not uncommon for festivals to get a movie that far in advance. Uh, I think it had a, a midsummer release uh, this year, officially. Um, I, I It's funny, because like, apparently I liked it a little less when I first saw it and wrote the review. Then I like I have fonder memories of it now, because I was really... It's it's such a shocking film. Um, it's also not... It's I didn't even consider it a 2020 film, because I saw it so long ago, but... Um, I, I do think it's worth checking out and it is apparently a real condition that people yeah. suffer from. And so that's, what's even more shocking. Um, and I think Haley Bennett uh, is excellent. Um, I think she's an underrated she's actress. Great, yeah. uh, unfortunately, I think Jennifer Lawrence steals a lot of her roles and I think she is better than Jennifer Lawrence, but uh, we apparently heart Jennifer Lawrence as a country. So um, if you, it's definitely worth checking out. The debate has been opened. Bennett v. Lawrence, Hunger Games of film. Yeah, I, again, it was nothing wrong with it. I just thought it was good. And yeah, Haley Bennett's very good in it. And there are a few. There were a few moments I was like, please don't, please don't, please don't do that. Yes. Um, but that's part of the like uh, bizarre quality to the film. So Swallow, yeah, check it out. All of those films, check out, apart from Borat, which is a bit rubbish, and Antebellum, which really was a bit rubbish. Um, and then I read a few books I mentioned last week, that Light of the Jedi, the first High Republic novel, Star Wars, by Charles Saul, dropped on my doorstep early. Um, I read that. It's one of the best canon books I've read. I really, really think it's excellent. Um, and it feels like new Star Wars, like, even though it's set before the 
Skywalker saga. It feels like it is. It's not. They don't rely on all they, all of the stuff we know. And there's stakes in the book, man, because we don't know these characters. I don't know who any of them are. And there are stakes, and there are things that happen which I didn't expect. Whereas if you read a book about Thrawn or Prince General Leia, or so, you know that when you know they're not going to die in the book, so you're immediately like, right, I'm in a safe zone. Not with these books. So that was great. Light of the Jedi, and I've seen a lot of other people have been reacting to, to that as well. Uh, plus the other two, uh, A Test of Courage, which is a young uh, a young reader's novel, and uh, I read that by Justina Ryland, and I enjoyed that as well. And Claudia Gray's Into the Dark, which doesn't actually drop for another month, so I can't say too much about it, other than. On the whole, the High Republic has started off really very well. So, if you like Star Wars publishing, if you or if you just want to dabble your toes in in this new era, uh, I can highly recommend checking out the High Republic. So, um, that's what I've been checking out in my poorly state this weekend, which is a lot more than usual. But um, John's always got a wonderful selection, like a nice cheese board, haven't you, man? Uh, I like you. I've been trying to catch up on 2020 movies, but um, as per usual, I've been listening to the Blank Check podcast. I thought this week was going to be the Allied episode because they're finishing the Robert Zemeckis uh, filmography. However, they deviated this week and apparently next week. They did Wonder Woman 84 this week, and they're going to be doing uh, Tenet next week, I believe, um, kind of catching up on some things that they normally would have covered because they've done a Christopher Nolan series. Um, so that anytime a filmmaker does a, a new movie that they've already covered that filmmaker's filmography, they will do an episode. Um, and they weren't able to they were they have been avoiding going to the theater like good uh people um and then uh wonder woman 84 they've covered a lot of the dc films and so they they've tried to do as many of them as they can um and they they also uh actually dave um david on the show is a a, a supporter of wonder woman he made some strong arguments i gotta say um and their biggest thing was that uh because you and i both not a big fan of 84 but that we appreciate they appreciate and i agree with this that Patty Jenkins got to make a kind of weird movie that wouldn't, it wouldn't qualify as a traditional superhero genre film, which I think is what we didn't love about it. But at the same time, I am glad to see that Warner brothers is willing to let a filmmaker experiment. You know what I'm saying? Like I just, not the comic book films we've grown to know over the last 10, 15 years. And while it may not work for us, it doesn't mean I don't want them to get to do stuff like that because I do like, because sometimes those films work really well for me when they do deviate from the formula. So I like and that they're getting that very well. Right. So, you know, let's keep that in mind. Even if we didn't like 84, uh, don't, don't not let filmmakers be filmmakers, let them try, let them take a big swing that maybe doesn't work as well for everybody, but Hey, you know, Patty Jenkins got to do what she wanted to do. And that's pretty cool. Um, that said, I've watched a bunch of stuff, some new stuff, some old stuff. Uh, Enola Holmes. I finally checked out. Um, I got to say, I think Millie Bobby Brown is a leading lady. I think she's got what it takes to carry a movie. I think it was in- engaging. I, I do like the Sherlock Holmes kind of mythos. Um, I'm not, I, I've never really read the books, but I am always kind of fascinated by the character. Um, and yes, there's a, so many different versions of the character, but I, I enjoyed the movie. I, I thought it was interesting. Um, watched Red Dawn for uh, the um, movie club podcast. Uh, not a fan of Red Dawn from 1984. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but i haven't and i'm not going to based on what you've said <laughs> um so then i watched the documentary it's actually it's a weird documentary in the sense that it is half real and then there's a scripted scenario so the movie's called dick johnson is dead mm-hmm. and in in this the filmmaker her dad is dick johnson um he is older and she's come to terms with the reality that he's gonna die at some point and so she posited uh as a filmmaker and her dad being a psychiatrist a psychologist um 
that to kind of prepare herself, she wanted to make movies of different ways he could die. And so there's a series of things where they, they film him being killed in random, like event, like accidents, things that happen. And, uh, but then we have like interviews and these very touching, uh, very candid moments where he is uh, starting to get severe uh, signs of Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and like the emotional toll that takes on him and her and his like kind of losing his freedom as a, as a person, because like he's, he's wandering out of his apartment. So like he has to move in with her. He can't drive anymore. Like things like that, where he, he, it's just so human and so uh, intimate. It's, it's definitely worth checking out and what a cool way to kind of um, be with him. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, show her own craft. Like she's a filmmaker and she gets to really do some stuff with that. Um, Excellent. Definitely worth watching. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom uh, on your recommendation and a few others, but man, what a movie. I I just think it's uh, Chadwick Boseman is such a tragedy of 2020 and getting to see that performance from him is just, was the the right kind of send off. I just think it's Mm -hmm. such a powerhouse performance. Um, watched a mockumentary called death to 2020 on netflix mm. um it's it's dark funny it uh it was really demanded of me by a friend who my political friend who kind of always guides me with my political things uh said watch this now did not give me much of an option so i did um it's entertaining i watched the prom uh starring your favorite james Corden. Mm-hmm. um uh it's getting a lot of uh talk right now it's not it's definitely not PC. It, it seems to be like it made some bad casting choices. James Corden is playing a, a very kind of stereotypical gay character and he's not gay. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily wrong. There is a debate about whether or not every role has to be played by someone who is the thing. Cause it is performance. It is a crap, but if you're playing it in a way that feels offensive, that's definitely not okay. So like that's a, a, an area, but I did find it mostly engaging and fine. I like musicals way more than I ever would have admitted years ago. And so the songs are catchy. It's it's there's some good stuff there. It's not perfect, but it was definitely watchable. Um, another round. Oh, Mads Mikkelsen, such another, another midlife crisis teacher movie that hit really hard for me. So I, I was totally, Oh, you got to check this one out, dude. It, it's very, very good. Um, my wife and I watch Wendy. Sorry, it's a 2021 film over here, so it counts for this year's listing. There you go. Yeah, it's a 2020 film here. Um, I, I was able to watch it uh, on like a purchase service. It's not streaming for free, but you can buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Wendy on HBO Max, which uh, I have not seen Beast of the Southern Wild, but that's an indie film that a lot of people praise, and now a lot of people criticize, it seems. Um, it's gotten a lot of hate over the years. It's I, I've not seen it, but Wendy is a reimagining of Peter Pan. It really worked for me and my wife. We watched it on New Year's Eve and we, um, she let me pick the movie, but she was actually like starting to fall asleep. So she thought she wasn't going to really watch this. She's like, just watch whatever. And I was like, well, I've been meaning to watch Wendy. I'm going to throw this on. She did not take a nap. And, and when the movie was over, she's like, well, that was good. And she said it like, kind of like dismissively, but it was like, she was really, I think taken by it. And it, it's, it's got so much going for it. I don't think it's perfect, but man, it just clicked. And it was like the right movie at that moment. It just felt like the right thing. It's it's serious, but it's also not too weighty. There's like an air of the Peter Pan feel to it. You know, where it's like, yeah, it's like kids fighting for their lives essentially against like a pirate, but there's something light about it. And that's kind of how it translates. It's set in modern day. So it's really interesting in that way. Uh, definitely worth, I think it's worth checking out. Even if you don't like it, I think it's not going to be a waste of your time. Um, finally caught the trip to Greece. I'm a big fan of the trip movies. Uh, have you seen Greece yet? The trip to Greece? No, I haven't. No. 
man it it i was cracking up dude there's it's actually there's a few scenes that are some of my favorite from the franchise like where i just thought the the bits were just landing really well um they're really uh there's a bit about the baftas that steve coogan has won that becomes an ongoing like joke throughout the thing and he just keeps mentioning how many baftas he's won and it, it was cracking me up i just i adored it um, love those movies. I think they're such light fare and just a fun to watch. And it, in a time when we can't travel, watching two guys travel was kind of nice, to be honest. Uh, uh, Run is the the new. The, I I can't remember his name. The guy who directed Searching. It's his new film. Uh, it's on uh, Hulu. Here. John Cho. No, that's the actor. Um, uh, who's great, but it's the uh, the director from Searching, and I I do not remember. It's something. Uh, I'm not going to remember, but we're going to find out his name. And I could tell you his name is Anish Chaganti. There it is. Um, I love searching a lot. Like searching work for me. Run is uh, Sarah Paulson. It is not a computer screen movie, which I thought was going to be like when he did searching, he was talking like he was going to, this was how film should be from now on. So I was expecting his next film to be another computer screen movie. It is not Um, run works at times. And then it has some of the worst exposition dumps ever. It's just like, terrible doesn't make any sense what are you doing it's still kind of a fun movie it's a it's the thriller part of it works and the performances are really good um okay here is the documentary i think everybody needs to watch the painter and the thief oh yep go on it is such a compelling premise um a it's a norwegian film a woman who is a a oil painter has two of her uh big giant oil canvas paintings stolen from a gallery uh, they catch the one of the two thieves, but he doesn't know what happened to the painting because he was so messed up on drugs. She asks him if she can paint him. And the relationship that is formed over time is what the documentary really covers. And it does things in such unique ways, how it's structured. It's just masterful. The story itself is compelling, but the way it's assembled is even more compelling. It is such a great documentary. I love it so, so much painter and the thief we have it here in the states on hulu i'm not sure where you can watch it map but i definitely think you need to see it i remember you did me you sent me a message the other day um off air obviously to uh to mention it sound like you've got to watch this so um i'm I've, i'm gonna just watch it tonight to see where i can watch it over here if i can i i absolutely adore it. i i this is it's one of those movies where i wasn't even done with it and i kept like sending like to people hey you need to watch this hey you need to watch this and i was always a little worried like what if it takes a weird turn and i hate it at the end i didn't <laughs> I, I loved it all the way but i was so into it i was just like telling everybody they needed to watch it um and then uh a student asked me um a student who i think listens to this podcast actually uh has been asking me all year to watch dark passage a movie i knew nothing about um and uh i watched last night um it is a humphrey bogart film from 1947 um yeah. have you ever seen it uh, no, I have not. No. Okay, so I knew nothing about this movie, and I'm really shocked that I knew nothing about this movie. Uh, the first thirty minutes are from a first person perspective of Humphrey Bogart's character. You do not see his face, um, and there's a plot reason why. But it's such a unique thing, especially for 1947, to do essentially what would have to be a handheld camera shot, where like there are scenes where like the the character's lighting cigarettes for people, so you just see his hands. It's like you're playing a first person shooter. Um, I didn't realize a movie had done that that long ago. And uh, it actually ties into a Robert Zemeckis directed Tales from the Crypt episode called You Murderer, um, where he has cast in 1995 Humphrey Bogart as his main character. Humphrey Bogart died in 1957. Um, And the entire episode is shot from first person perspective. And uh, 
deals with some of the same themes that Dark Passage. I had never seen Dark Passage. I didn't know what that was. And Griffin and David on Blank Check covered uh, that Tales from the Crypt episode, which is available to watch on YouTube. I think I even sent it to you, actually, uh, when I watched it. And uh, yes, you and did. it also starts John Lithgow and stuff. And um, when I'm watching Dark Passage last night, I realized that this has got to be the inspiration for that Tales from the Crypt episode that I just happened to see like two months ago weird coincidence that they came at me at the same time unrelated they were not like someone wasn't like oh you like that episode here's dark passage just a coincidence that i discovered this and i i'm so flabbergasted and excited about it uh, i wanted to share that um that's the movies i've been watching i also binge watched the entire season two and season three 20 episodes of cobra kai um i'm a big big fan of karate kid mm-hmm. i was also a big fan of how i met your mother when it was on its uh run on tv and we owe How I Met Your Mother for Cobra Kai existing because uh, Barney's character or the character of Barney brought into life the idea of Johnny Lawrence being redeemed and him being the actual Karate Kid. And then a show is born. Um, I liked season one. I watched it when it first came out on YouTube. I didn't see season two then. It is now all on Netflix. I think it is one of the best examples of a sequel series uh, and it doing things in a a different way than the original, but also still paying complete respect to the original. Um, it has the cast. There's maybe a little too much uh, homage to the, like they started using a lot of clips from the original films and stuff, um, but it's fine. There's of course some cringy stuff. Cause it is ultimately, a, it's still about high school kids and there's, there's cringy stuff in the original karate kid. Like, let's be real. But um, I, I adore the show and what they do for Johnny Lawrence as a character is such a compelling arc. I'm just so, blown away i i said to my friends that um johnny lawrence is a character who is baptized in the fires of male toxicity and knows that it's wrong but has no idea how to get out of it and is like that's this episodes is him trying to get out of the male toxicity he was brought up in but not knowing how to do that and he's trying constantly and every time he starts to make some strides he'll make a mistake but you totally understand why he would make that mistake it totally is in his character and you're just hoping that he figures it out and it's it's so compelling i i adore the show it's fun it's funny it's it's got its dramatic moments and it's melodrama because it's karate kid it's again those movies are they are transformative for me i was a kid when i saw those movies i loved them i still love them um and the show just kind of keeps it going. And uh, yeah, can't recommend them enough. They're a lot of fun. And my resolution, which I mentioned last week as our a Bloody Awesome, was to read more. And so I've already made efforts, Matt. I've listened to Carrie Fisher's um, uh, book, Wishful Drinking. Yeah. Um, it's only a three-hour audiobook, So it was very, it was like listening to a couple of podcasts. No big deal. Um, very, uh, very interesting, way too candid at times stories of her life and her crazy experiences. Um, but very, very worth listening to, uh, her insight and her kind of comedic reflection on her hard times is I think welcomed. Um, plus, you know, it's postmortems for me listening to it. So it's, it's, it was almost tear inducing just hearing her voice, uh, for, cause she does read the audiobook, which I thought was really cool. Um, And then uh, I started reading a book called City of Nets, which is about the 1940s Hollywood. And uh, it's it's pretty interesting. It's very dense. There's a lot of stuff being thrown at me right away where I'm like, I hope I can retain any of this. There's so much stuff. He's just like, and this guy and this guy did this thing. And I'm like, oh, good Lord, I can't I need like a notebook and a yarn wall like this is going to be something. But um, I am working my way through that book. I'm actually reading that one. I I got the ebook for that for like six bucks. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And so I'm uh, on Amazon and I'm reading that. Um, it was on a list of many, many, I have a list of so many books um, that are recommended for like film history or uh, biographies that are worth your time that I'm working through this year, but I'm already, you know, I'm only a, a couple days in, I've already read a book. So I, I or I've listened to a book. So I'm, I'm well feeling done. like I'm, I'm on the right track. Mate, you've done a, you've done, uh, well, I've, I've read a book as well. So actually yeah, with a bloody awesome reading podcast as well now. So the yes. book, book club is coming. John's got movie club. We've now got a book club as well. Um, good. Listen, I'm glad to hear you enjoyed my rainy death of 2020. I've heard mixed things about. Um, so I've kind of moved away from that, but if you say it's worth watching, would you say it's worth watching? Which one was it? Death to twenty twenty. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely worth. It's it's only like sixty one minutes or something too. Like it's not a long watch. Um, watch uh, from what I've seen with the reviews, though, like some people are hardcore hating on it. It's a satire, guys. Like it's not meant to be taken seriously. At the same time, it's a satire of the hell that we've been through the last year. So maybe you just don't want to sit through it right now. That might be a good point. I think it. I think in a few years it'll be a fun kind of crazy time capsule. It'll be like, can you believe all of this stuff while being exaggerated and hyperbolic? And it definitely has a clear point of view. And that might be the other reason it's getting some negative feedback. It's clearly anti-Trump. It's not. It's not promoting uh, anything like that. It's not trying not to be. Um, has some big big people in it. Sam Jackson's in it. Uh, no one's playing themselves either. They're playing characters, which is what's uh, pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, it's definitely got a very particular point of view that if you don't mesh with, you're not going to like, but it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Sweet. Uh, we'll do then. And the painter, painter and the thief is available in the UK, Google play and YouTube for two pounds 99 to so four bucks. So that's not much of an outlay, man. So, uh, but no, another wonderful list there, my friend for the week of media. Yeah. A lot of media. But with that, we need to wrap this up and we need to talk about how we are staying bloody awesome in this time of a pandemic still flowing into the year. Unfortunately, the virus didn't get the memo that it was a new year and it needed to change its tactics. If anything, it's, it's getting more aggressive. Um, with that, Matt, how are you staying bloody awesome in the new year of 2021? Well, I've tried wagging my finger angrily at COVID, but it keeps coming back into the world. Um, yeah, it didn't get the memo that it was meant to start off on New Year's Eve, but mine is staying in and saving the world, my friend. Um, like I said, I felt I felt, haven't felt very good recently. I've taken the COVID test and I'm waiting for those results now. Um, should be fine. Hopefully, hopefully it's just a, uh, this sounds really flippant, but hopefully I just have the symptoms of a cold. Um, but in this, in these times, you don't, you don't take the mickey. I don't because I'm not an idiot. I'm being, I'm staying in. I'm not going out. I have shopping delivered. You know what I mean? I'm not going, you know, I'm, until I hear either way what's going on. I'm not venturing out of the house. Plus, now it's lockdown part three, return of the Boris. Um, we can't go out. So, it is a, once again, it's kind of making the most of the home time, finding ways to keep sanity and mental health uh, at a good level because it is tough. It's tough for everybody. But um, at the minute, staying in, saving the world, watching films, reading books, uh, homeschooling to an extent, the kids obviously, because the schools have been cancelled for now. So, there's a lot of that. But um, it's just being appreciative of the opportunity to do all of this, because um, obviously when we go back to normal, uh, life's going to be a bit more fast paced. So in a hot, trying to find the positives out of a nasty situation. So uh, staying in and saving the world. But what about you, my friend? Um, resolution confirmation. I, I had a goal and I'm so far staying to that goal, as I mentioned with the reading and, um, and weight loss. Uh, I, I you know, I kind of slacked during the holidays knowing that it was like, okay. And I was going to really kick back into full gear. And, um, 
I was a little worried because I'd been so loose with my, my diet and like what I was allowing myself to eat. I was like, what if I can't like stop eating bad? And literally like the switch flicked as soon as the midnight on new year's Eve, I was back into my normal routine. I've, I have no, I don't even feel like upset about it. Like it just, I was so ready for it. Um, and I, I liked, I, that is my, the, when I look at things that I'm proud of with myself is when I am, uh, disciplined when I have made the decision to be disciplined. Um, I, I have to make that decision, but once I'm committed to it, it is easy for me to adhere to that thing. And since I let off the discipline, I was afraid and I have proven that, no, it wasn't an issue. I'm, I'm right back to where I want to be. Um, I weighed in uh, a little over, uh, on new year's day. I weighed in, um, I'll, I'll share actually, I weighed in at 251 on new year's day, which is the highest I'd been in, in a, several months. Um, and I weighed this morning at 244. So, uh, whatever that weight was, it's gone already. So, uh, yeah, it, it's working its way down. So it's run away very quickly. It's, it's fearful of the, the backlash from the book. Um, but yeah, yeah, be like John, be LJ, be like John. I, I'm very much like you in terms of mindset, but I have a struggle to actually get the motivation. If I start eating well and exercise and I won't stop, but it's getting to that level with the yeah. map, but yeah. good work though, man. Good work. Thank you, sir. Um, and that's the episode. That's how we've stayed bloody awesome. We encourage you to do the same, whatever it takes to make you feel good in the time when things are feeling bad with, as long as you're not endangering other people, um, uh, follow Matt's lead, please. And, uh, we're going to be here next week with a very special episode. We're going to break format for a week so that we can talk about the best of 2020. And of course, when we say the best of 2020, we mean movies. There's not a lot of other best in 2020. Um, but we're going to be talking about our favorite films from 2020. Um, Matt and I may have seen things you haven't even had the opportunity to see because we got to partake in a few film festivals last year. Uh, so we don't know what's on each other's list yet, but that's what we're going to be talking about on our next episode. So tune in for that one. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. You can tell us what your favorite films of 2020 were. Uh, Matt, where can they find us on Twitter? They can find us at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod and uh, on Facebook. Just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. You can follow me on social medias at Burke Reviews or BurkeReviews.com. And Matt? Just search What I Watch Tonight across all social media and Letterboxd uh, and WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. And if you like what we're doing, we ask that you take just a few minutes out of your time to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're using to listen to us. It helps other people find the show. And that's ultimately what we're looking for. We just want some more listeners to share our thoughts and to hear from you. We like to hear what you think about movies because we love film. We love the discourse. Um, With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 